This is the Teaching Primary Music Podcast, where you will learn effective, tried and true methods to teach children the gospel of Jesus Christ through music. I am Courtney Ekman. And I am Charlotte Dance. This is part two of a four-part series on different learning styles. Today, we're going to cover concrete representation of words. First, I'm going to start by telling you a story. It's January as we're recording this, and we just finished up teaching all of the wonderful children's Christmas songs. And I was asked to help teach Stars Were Gleaming, which is a beautiful song. I love the melody, but the words that we use are very rhymy and very hard to keep in order. And so I looked really hard for a way to get, I teach a combined primary when I sub, and it skews young towards younger children. So how do I help those younger children really learn what those words are and the order that they go in? And so I found an activity that harnessed the power of concrete representation of words. And so I drew a melody map on the chalkboard and I had my teenage son who is an artist draw things like a cloud for dreaming or, you know, stars for stars, things like that. And so first we figured out what the melody map was. And I think I actually found this on Charlotte's website. This wasn't like a me reinventing the wheel activity. He drew the pictures and then the children came up and were able to match the picture to where it belonged on the phrase and in the song. And so even though we never wrote a word out, they still it still helped them grasp concretely what these words were, what they meant, where they fit in the melody and in the song. I love concrete representations of words. Sometimes when we hear that, we think of senior primary. We think of older children because they're ready. They understand abstract principles. They're able to see words and put them in order. And sometimes we don't do as great of a job as in, at incorporating that into younger primaries quite as naturally. It takes a little bit more work. Sharla, what are some other ways that we can use activities that help our younger children and older children with concrete representations of words? So I'm going to come in with a, a little caveat. If you have taught the beat and the rhythm and the melody in another way, maybe with some movement or maybe with other kinds of things, then these words will just ride on the melody as you try to bring them to focus. So what I think concrete representation of words is bringing the words to focus. But I caution people to not go straight to the words because we're very word-oriented society and yet the melody and the beat and the rhythm help the song to go deep into parts of our brains and the words ride on those. So get those down also. I'm not saying don't use words. Yes, definitely do concrete representation of words, but also do these other activities that will help them feel the beat in their body, recognize the rhythm, going for the melody, those kinds of things. And with that said, what do you do about a younger child? They're not getting the words to the song. They kind of, uh, uh, but they don't say the words. And you want them to know the words because the words are powerful. They're the gospel. One of the things that I think is super strong for children because children learn from gestures. The younger the child, the more they learn from gestures. So they look at a gesture, they hear the word, and they try to make sense of it. 
that's how the brain works. That's a lot of different brain research. So if you do a gesture like a sign language type of thing and you only do a couple for a phrase, it's amazing what will happen for the children because they'll begin to put an order to the gestures and they'll begin to be able to say the words because they make sense of the gestures. Oh, and they'll label it with a word. Another thing you might want to consider is a body movement pattern that follows the pitch up here. And you say, when we're up here, we're saying this word. When we're down here, we say this word. Charlotte's moving her hands up and down <laughs> as she, sometimes it's so hard with a podcast. <laughs> That's right. Another one is just like she talked about is that you have pictures and you want to put them in order. Why don't I have them all in order for the children? Because a child needs to be challenged in order to not get bored. And so putting the pictures in order not only helps them to uh, recognize the concrete order of the words, but it challenges their brain to figure out where it goes and what order and how to do it. So putting pictures in order is a great way to do it with children. I know that you have mentioned that you did an envelope game with pictures in your mixed primary, in your mixed age primary. Yes. Tell me about it. So envelope games are really great for older children. That's a tried and true Charlotte method where you take, you don't use every single word in the song, but you take keywords and you print them out and then cut them up and mix them up and then divide the children into groups of four or so children. And they go through and as you sing the song, they're trying to figure out the words and to put them in order. That works really well for older primaries. We have a combined primary and I loved using the envelope game, but I knew that the younger children were not going to be able to participate at all, that they would just sit there clueless. And so we were singing, we were singing Angie Killian's Choose to Serve the Lord, and she has those pictures all ready to go. And so I just printed them out four to a page so that they were small and stuck them in envelopes. And then when I grouped the children in our primary, I made sure that each group had younger children and older children so that the older children could help the younger children, but it was all pictures. And so as I sang and walked around the room, they were in groups figuring out what pictures were in order and how they fit together and how that fit with the song. And as you were doing that, you were singing the song as they were As I was, I was singing the song just continuously over and over again. I also have a really great, after doing the envelope game many times, I know many of our listeners probably have used it too. I just have one little tidbit of advice. So I have, you could use construction paper of different colors, but I have little um, plastic mats that you would use for like a... In nursery, for example, for the children to sit on that are all different rainbow colors. And so I put those around the room in different spots where I want the groups to meet. And then I put the envelope under that mat. And then I just go around when I'm assigning groups, I just say red, orange, yellow, green, blue, pointing to each child. (laughs) And it's very easy for them to remember a color as opposed to a number. And they know right where to go. And the envelope's right there waiting for them. So I can have that all set up very simply. And they kind of they kind of get excited a little bit when they walk into the room and oh there's color dots all over the floor, <laughs> you know something's up. Just as a tip from someone who's done it a tip. lot, a management a man- tip yeah. that can be a way to get this game set up very seamlessly. 
And if you use picture, that's with younger children and maybe combined primaries. If you were use words, you can use it with older children because that's a concrete way for them to see the words. One of the reasons that I think children need to see words once they're above age eight is that there are children who uh, auditorially don't take things in very well. And <clears throat> my son, it happens to be one of those. He is now, uh, he works with images on the computer for other companies. But when I would tell him to do things in the house, it took him a while to really understand what I was trying to say. And as a young mom, he's six and I'm trying to get him to go make his bed or go do this. And it didn't make sense to me until he was tested in junior high and found out that in compared to auditory versus reading, he took in lot 90% of things reading. Auditorially, he took in something like 20. He could not take the words and put them into a concrete order. And there are children that learn that way. And that's why you have to have word games for older children where they have to put things in order. They see the word. And having them, the words just in front of them, like if you have a hymn book, doesn't work as well because the brain doesn't have to puzzle through it. The brain isn't challenged. It's just reading the words and it, and it takes it in one side and flips it out the other. So they have to do something that's challenged. Another one, have you ever done eraser pass? I love eraser pass. <laughs> okay, why don't you tell us about eraser pass? Eraser pass is where you take the key words of the song that perhaps are, especially this is great with hymns, where the words are a little bit unfamiliar, and you write them up on the board, but you write them with in groups of three. So you're going to put I usually use synonyms. I know Charlotte sometimes talks about antonyms, and my kids mm -hmm. love to, every time we have a conversation about synonyms versus cinnamon, you know, and, <laughs> and what synonym means. So you have these... The key word has two words with it that are not in the song. Right, and you write them in, in different orders. So for example, I'll put faith, I'll just use faith is knowing for, uh -huh. and I'll do faith and knowing in that phrase. And so the first group will say, maybe have hope, faith, belief in that first group in that order and then the next one might have it's knowing so we're going to say seeing, learning, learning seeing and and it will and maybe that the real word will be the third one listed and the other one that was the second word listed so this obviously only works for older children but you hand a child i usually have a couple of erasers depending on the size of the primary mm -hmm. and so you hand a child an eraser and you say erase the words that don't belong in the song and when you are done hand the eraser to someone else in the primary i usually say only erase one word or they'll erase all of them oh correct yeah yes. erase one word that does not belong in the song. and sometimes if it's a new primary that i'm doing it with the first several times i have a chalk in hand and if they erase the wrong word i don't make a deal of it just while i'm singing i go write it back up and they kind of are oh oh that is the word and what are <laughs> and then, you doing while the children are erasing the words? i am singing the song over and over and over and over and over again and i'll say let's see how many times it takes me to sing this song before we can have all the right words on the board and then that is an easy activity for some great extenders because it's very easy to say okay now i'm going to sing all the words that aren't on the board and you are going to sing the words that are on the board it's a challenge for me and for them, mostly for me, honestly. <laughs> and they love to kind of catch me up and say, oh, you sang that when you uh -huh. weren't supposed to. Uh -huh. And it's a great way. And then you, if they're familiar enough with the song, if it's not the first week, then I'll say, okay, now you sing the words 
that are not are on not on the board, and I will sing the ones that are. Yeah, that's a great extender. I love that one, and it works really well for the children. You have to set it up with, here's the eraser. You erase one word at a time. You hand the eraser to somebody else. And it's okay for a boy to hand it to a girl if they're in an older primary. Right. Sometimes I will have the kids that have not participated just put their thumb up in their lap so that kids can easily see without a bunch of hands raised who to pass the eraser to so it's not going to the same three popular kids. That's a great management tool. Thumb up on your lap that I need the eraser. I love that one. It works really well. And what I found is that when I put words that are similar up there, then they're starting to understand the word more because they're looking at that and they don't even recognize that I'm helping them define the word. They just are trying to erase the words that are not in the song. So it's a really good one. Another one that works when you have words is a concentration. Concentration, you know, that kind of thing where you have everything covered. With older children, I use 12 different things that they have to match, so there's six things that they're matching, and I cover them with a darker piece of paper. They lift up one, they lift up the other. If they're a match, they can take off the paper. If not, they put it back down in somebody else. Management-wise, I tap the children on the shoulder to get one person to come up and try and match it. Okay, I'm not very familiar with this. Can you explain this a little bit more in depth? What are they matching? Pictures, words? If it's with older children, I usually put one picture that matches and then like some phrases. We thank thee, O God, for a prophet to guide us in these latter days. You know, all of those phrases will be different things that they're trying to find the match to. They're matching the phrases together because uh-huh. I've done that with pictures, you know, the, but I, right. for imaging, but not for words. Yeah. That's brilliant. It works really well for words. They do like to have one picture in there because visual is always more appealing sometimes than words written out. And what happens is you're singing the song over and over again as they're trying to match it. And those that are logical will kick in immediately and say, oh, it's that corner and that, no, 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 don't do that. And I say, ah, 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 no helping. You know, just to help them be a little bit more restrained. Right, and to prolong it because some of those kids can match those in about three seconds yeah. flat. And right, you want yes. to sing it more than That's half right. a time. That's right. Usually what happens is that I sing it about three times and then they're done matching or six times. And then, like you did with the eraser pass, we sing certain phrases. You only sing this one and this one and I'll sing the rest of them. Or you sing that one and that one, and I'll sing the rest of them. So it's kind of a take it in, take it out kind of thing. It works really well. Audiation means singing it in your head. And when you're singing something and then they have to sing the next thing, they literally will sing your part in their head, and then they'll sing out loud the other part. It's a super strong way to learn. Another concrete representation of words is just for older children, putting words up around the room. Everybody go choose as a word. And then you say, if your word is in this first phrase, come up and put it on the board and put it in order. I often have somebody that will be the leader and trying to help them get it in order. Like a self-chosen leader where they're like, I'm in charge of this, or do you ask an adult? I, I ask usually an older child. But sometimes that works, sometimes it doesn't, depending on the personality. <laughs> so you could use an older adult too. And they do like putting them in order, and then they sing the whole song, and then I say, close your eyes. Can you sing it without looking? Or I take several of the words off. Now, sing the whole song. Remember what word that was. Memorize it. Put it on your inside chalkboard. And that's just a way to concretely represent the word in their head. And it's not 
at all like reading. When you read a paragraph out loud, you don't memorize the paragraph, but with the song, we're trying to get the words to go deep. So we want somehow, like they have to say the word that was there, they have to say it in their head so they know where it comes. Because that's why we're teaching, we're, we're gospel doctrine teachers. Another one that you might wanna think about is crack the code. I saw this when I was living in California. One of the music leaders, I was the stake music leader, and one of the music leaders was not doing well. And the primary president reached out to me and said, you've got to help her. She's just struggling. She doesn't know what to do. She doesn't relate to the kids. So I went in and watched a couple of times and made a few suggestions. And then the third time she said, okay, here's a code for you. Figure it out. And then she sang the song. And I was like, oh, it's brilliant. Because she used the first letter of each word and they had to figure out what that was, what was the code that was up there. And the kids that age gravitate towards code. That is their developmental age anyway. And so they loved it. I've gotten it to where I put all of the one phrase on one color of a word strip, and then I put all of the code letters of another phrase on a different, and then I mix up the phrases, and then I say, what's going on? What is this? And they're like, I can't figure it out. And then I will slyly point to the first phrase and sing it very, very pointed like this. Oh, oh, and then I say, help me put it in order. And meanwhile, the kids have heard the song three and four times, and you then you sing, giving that little clue of the first letter of each word, and then you take down some of them and they have to sing it without the clue of the first letter of each word. And it's just a way to help the words go deep. And I've seen that done as well. I haven't personally come up with any of these. This isn't my forte, but I've, <laughs> there's lots of great resources to borrow because once you've done the first letter, it's a while before you can do that activity again. It is. Because the kids will remember. Ding. That's the pattern. But you can use other symbols mm -hmm. or emojis I've seen done. And I think that is a very effective way if you have a combined primary, doing an emoji crack the code. The three-year-olds are probably going to be a little clueless, but it's gonna, <laughs> it's gonna capture enough of your primary and they're gonna think it's cool enough that they're going to engage enough. And it's gonna really, really help your older children. So this Saturday I'm teaching a workshop and I'm doing one for Hey, you left your room this morning, did you think to pray? So I have a picture, an architectural picture of a room. I have pray and day, rhyming words, the same shape, same color. I have um, favor and savior, which are the rhyming words in that one, the same color. And then I will have a word strip and put on that rhyming word because it's like, it's purple, it's a purple circle, but what does it have to do with the song? It's a rhyming word and I help them out. But it's a representation of what's coming in the words and they're trying to figure out what those icons mean at first when you're first singing and then they're singing it and then you cover up some of the icons and have them sing. So another concrete representation of words. Why do we do it? because we want them to know the words, but why do we want them to know the words and why do we want them to be able to sing silently in their head with the words? Because the words are doctrine, they are scripture, and they will help the children in their hour of need. 
I don't know if you've ever come home from teaching a primary music and all you can do is sing that song in your head. It goes over and over inside your head. And I know that there are children who have sung songs and it's come to their mind to comfort them. There's adults that have had that happen. They don't even know the song very well. But it would be better and more useful to the child if they knew the song and they knew the words. I'm not saying they have to understand the words completely because the song can teach a child. But we do want them to really know those words. But remember, the words ride on the melody and the beat and the rhythm, so those things are important too. They really are. One thing that I would add, I would be reticent to give too many clues too early on in the game if you're doing crack the code. Don't automatically start pointing to help them figure it out because what you ultimately want is ownership. And when they have puzzled and figured it out for themselves, they own it and then those words become theirs. And that's our ultimate goal. If they're struggling and you've sung it through a couple of times, you want them to be successful. But I've been surprised at how smart kids are and how logically their brains do work. And so don't go immediately to, oh, look, here's the pattern. Give them a minute, have them think about it. Even if you have to give them hints after that couple of minutes, them working it out on their own and you trusting them, they know you trust them to figure it out. It makes them feel smarter which makes them actually be smarter. And they'd rather be challenged than bored, I promise. They want to be involved. Like you said, they want to have ownership of those words. Great job. So another really excellent idea that I've seen used a lot is color code. Tell us about color code. So let's use the song. I love to read the holy scriptures and every time I do. So how are you going to make a puzzle out of that? So maybe you put a little round colored piece of paper for all of the words in the song, but all the words that start with scriptures, S's, are a red. I love to read the holy scriptures and every time I do search, ponder, and pray. So there's a red. And then every time it starts with an L, you make it be blue or something like that. So you have a lot of the same color and then all of a sudden a red or a blue or a green. And you're going along and singing the song and they're trying to figure out what the colors have to do with the song. Again, a crack the code kind of thing where all of the reds stand for something that starts with S. All of the blues, something that starts with L. That's a, a color code type of thing. So you're using colors to represent letter sounds. How does that tie into concrete representation of words? It's a symbol just like a letter is a symbol. It's a symbol of a sound. So S, when you write it, is a symbol of S. And when you make an orange color, it's the symbol that means that starts with that s sound. So it's another way to symbolize, and that's why I only use it, um, that particular one, only with eight-year-olds and above, because that's when they switch into the logic phase and they start to really symbolize very well. It's a great one to use, and it's another way to use Crack the Code without using the letters so that they can puzzle it out, own the thing, and sing it. We've thrown in a couple of ideas for how to make this straddle if you are teaching a combined primary because it is very different. Teaching concrete representation of words is very different for younger children versus older children. So do you have any recommendations or suggestions for how we would kind of walk both lines and engage our older children who desperately need the logic without losing younger children? Uh, one of the really successful ways that I've done it is to have icons 
or action icons like you have an arrow that points this way and it means you're gonna slam down your fist onto your other palm as this is said for instance call to serve him heavenly cling of glory call to pound you've got a melody map where you've got something where they're having to do something the younger children can do the action when you do the action every time you see that little arrow you do this they can do that because it's action based it's gesture based again they learn from gestures and the older kids really enjoy that kind of thing and they are leading the primary actually because the little ones will see it and do it two beats later it's just how their brains work so having the older ones lead that is really great another one is using the icons that we talked about what do these icons mean? Why is there a sun with rays on it right here? Why is there a room right here? Why is there somebody going like this with their hands, which is a praying thing in ASL? What is that? What does it stand for? And the children who are younger will catch on and be able to do the gestures. They may not be able to put it in order as well as the older kids, but they really do like that. One of the things that I also do is when I'm doing pattern, an action pattern like tap, 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 clap 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 hold your hand hold your hand hold your hand hold your hand what is the word on that action and let's sing that word do it do it and hold it and do that action do that again for instance one of the songs that we're singing this year is my life is a gift my life has a plan so i would do some kind of action maybe tap 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 hold tap my life is a gift, my life has a plan, my life has a purpose, in heaven it began. So that all of a sudden they're associating a word with an action. Again, that's gesture based for the younger children. And the older children are the ones that are going to be able to do that pattern really well. And they'll feel the challenge of that. Are you representing this pattern visually for them as well with these actions when you do my life is a gift or do you have that anywhere in the room or are you just walking them through and having them create that in their visual chalkboard? I think you have hit on something that would be wonderful with a pattern, pattern, show a box for gift, pattern, pattern, show a calendar for a plan, you know, hit, hit, and then show a different action. But that starts to be in the action word actions category, and it's fine, and it works. It works really well. It works very well for younger children. So yeah, great idea. But do you have anything up, up on posters up above saying that this is the pattern? No. You're just doing it with them? I'm just doing it in a movement-based pattern because, again, younger children learn from gestures. Thank you for listening and a special thank you to Dana Carden for composing our music.